Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, Block Island is a vacation hotspot in New England. Thousands flock here every year for a relaxing vacation. What many of them don't know is the many hauntings on and even circling the island. More than one lighthouse haunted with a dark history and even a ghost ship circling the island just scratches the surface of the terrifying locations you can find on this isolated getaway. This is episode number 37 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Haunted Lighthouses of Block Island, Rhode Island. How did you get the keys for this place again? Holly asked without taking her eyes off the lighthouse that stood in front of them. (sighs) For the tenth time, John at the town hall owed me a favor, so I told him I wanted to go poke around the south lighthouse for a bit. Rick responded while fighting with the lock on the door. It was a cloudy, chilly October day on Block Island, making the lighthouse on the south side of the island look even more terrifying than normal. Holly had lived on the island for years and had never dared to enter either of the lighthouses. She had heard the stories about both and couldn't believe she was letting Rick talk her into this. Maybe he gave you the wrong key. We should probably just get out of here, she said to Rick. At that moment, she heard a click and the door to the lighthouse slowly opened. Rick looked at Holly with a smile on his face. Look, we'll just go in for no more than 20 minutes. I just always wanted to check this place out with no interruptions, he said. (sighs) Fine, let's get this over with. You owe me a coffee, though, Holly said. Deal. As they walked into the dark lighthouse, Holly started remembering the stories surrounding the place. As the legend went, a woman named Maggie was staying with her husband, who was the keeper of the lighthouse. The talk around the island was that the marriage was pretty rocky, and the couple was always arguing. One day... The husband, in a state of shock, was screaming for help. When people showed up, Maggie lay dead at the end of the staircase with a broken neck. He said she did it to herself, but the courts would see it differently, and he would serve a life sentence for murder. After this, the island wouldn't be able to keep a lightkeeper for very long. Items moving, beds shaking, and even being locked out of the building would send them running. Holly shivered a bit as she used her iPhone flashlight to look around the place. She picked up a photo on a table and stared at it. At that moment, she thought she heard a whisper. Rick, is that you? She said. Did you say something? I'm upstairs. You gotta come up and see some of this stuff, Rick said excitedly. Holly put the photo down and began to walk towards the stairs. Out of nowhere, her head began to pound. She rubbed her forehead as she put a foot on the first step. Push him, she heard whispered into her ear. She let out a gasp. Rick, we should get out of here now. Just a few more minutes, he responded as he walked to the stairs to meet her. As Holly finished climbing the stairs, she heard the voice once again. This time it said, Do it. Rick approached her with something in his hands held up proudly. Hey, Holly, check this. He was cut off mid-sentence as Holly had pushed him as hard as she could. She didn't know what was happening. She felt like she had no control. Her eyes were now following Rick as he fell backwards down the stairs, with terror in his eyes. All while, the sound of a female laughing rang out faintly 
in the distance. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Block Island, Rhode Island. Block Island is a small island located about 9 miles from the coast of Rhode Island and 14 miles from Long Island, New York. Generally, it gets lost in the shuffle of vacation islands in New England, with Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket being relatively close by, but Block Island may in fact have some of the most interesting history out of all of them. Countless battles with the Native Americans of the island are a part of the bloody history. In a pre-colonial era, the Mohegan tribe try to invade and overtake the island from the Niantic tribe. The Niantics would corner the Mohegan tribe near the bluffs that are located on the southern side of the island. Instead of taking them prisoner, they would force the invaders off the edge of the bluffs to their death. Today, there is a staircase you can take to the beach below the bluff where people have felt the presence of spirits. Not only battles, the island has a history of pirates, including a visit from Captain Kidd shortly before his execution. When it comes to the ghost stories, though, a couple of legendary shipwrecks tie heavily into the tragic hauntings of the island. The Larchmont Hauntings at the North Lighthouse On February 11, 1907, the captain of the Larchmont was told to make a decision. They were due to set sail that evening from Rhode Island to New York, and the weather conditions were terrible. Bitter cold and fierce winds were going to make the trip a difficult one. So do they make the voyage, or do they stay behind? The captain decided they could make it through. As they began their evening journey, many of the patrons on the voyage huddled into the saloon on board. Later in the night, those fortunate enough would retire to their cabins, leaving the rest to stay awake through the night until they reached their destination. They wouldn't stay in bed long. At about 10.30 p.m., a ship was spotted heading directly towards them. The captain would order them to quickly change course to avoid the coal ship known as the Harry Knowlton. The problem with this is, the Knowlton changed to the same course. In a panic, they fired several warning shots into the air, but it would be too late. Around 10.45 p.m., the Knowlton would collide into the Larchmont, ripping through its exterior and destroying its steam line, rendering the ship useless. The crew of the Knowlton would jump on a lifeboat. They watched as the Larchmont slowly slipped out of sight. Several days later, the crew of the Knowlton would be found alive with hypothermia and frostbite. Most of the 180 people on board the Larchmont, though, would not be as lucky. Back on the Larchmont, the people in their cabins would be burned to death by broken steam pipes. These were considered the lucky ones. Those who managed to make it to deck would be facing freezing temperatures mixed with the winds hitting up to 60 miles per hour. They would board life rafts and try to make it to land. Many would not. Around 6 a.m., the first lifeboat would reach near the North Lighthouse of Block Island. There was one 16-year-old boy alive who was using the stacked bodies of the dead to protect him from the wind. As he stumbled off the boat and into the arms of the people who spotted him, he kept repeating, more coming, more coming, until a few moments later when he would pass away. 
Over the course of the next few days, more rowboats and more bodies would continue to come ashore. As they arrived, the people of Block Island, not knowing what else to do, would stack the bodies in the North Lighthouse. Of the estimated 180 people on the Larchmont, only 17 would survive. With many of these survivors suffering from hypothermia and frostbite, some would require amputations. Since the tragedy, there have been many haunting experiences in the lighthouse. A woman has been seen standing in the lighthouse looking out towards the ocean. When approached or called to, she suddenly disappears. People walking around or in the building have heard the voice of a young man frantically saying, More coming. More coming. It also appears something a bit more evil resides in this lighthouse. Several people have reported walking their dog around the area. Upon walking up the stairs, their dogs have been picked up and thrown back to the bottom by an unseen force. The Larchmont isn't the only haunted ghost ship that calls Block Island home. The Palatine Light In August of 1738, the Princess Augusta set sail from the Palatine region of Germany to come to America with 340 passengers on board. This is likely how the name of the ship has gotten mixed up throughout history and is now known as the Palatine. The Augusta seemed to be cursed right from the beginning. Storm after storm would cause the ship to veer off course from its destination. Shortly after this, the water for the boat would become contaminated. Many of the passengers of the boat would get deathly sick. All in all, about 200 of the passengers would die from the sickness, and half of the 14-man crew, including the captain. After this, Andrew Brooke would take over the captain duties and abuse his power tremendously. With rations running low, he told the remaining passengers that they would have to pay for food and water going forward. Over time, several would not be able to pay and would die of starvation. Upon death, he would order their bodies be thrown overboard. And this would just be the beginning of the tragedies to befall the Augusta. There are two versions of what happened next to the ship. What we know for sure happened is that right outside of Block Island, the ship would wreck and more passengers would lose their lives. We also know that Captain Brooke would abandon ship with the rest of his crew, leaving the passengers to fend for themselves. After this are the conflicting reports. In one version, the crew abandons the ship, leaving the passengers behind, and the citizens of Block Island rush to help the stranded passengers. In another, the citizens cause the wreck themselves. Using torches and donkeys, the islanders would make it appear as if the lighthouse was closer which caused ships to run aground. After the ships would wreck, they would help the passengers get to land, and when they least expected it, would murder everyone that they brought back. After getting rid of their victims, they would go back and loot their possessions from the ship. There are accounts of the people of Block Island doing this before, and many believe they did it again with the Princess Augusta. However, there would be a significant difference this time. Mary Vanderline was one of the passengers of the ship. After all the sickness, death, and terrible acts against the passengers, the wreck would be the last straw for her. After the ship crashed, she hid below deck with everything she had. After several days, a decision was made to scuttle the ship and set it on fire. 
either to hide the evidence or clear room for more ships. Upon setting fire to the ship, they either didn't know or didn't care that Mary was still aboard. Shortly after setting the ship ablaze, they would hear her screams from below deck as the ship filled the ocean sky with flame and smoke. And ever since this day, the people have seen the ship, now referred to as the Palatine, appear on the water. Benjamin Congdon, a Puritan born sometime near the year of 1788, gave this account of seeing the Palatine. Quote, About the burning Palatine ship, I may say that I have seen her eight or ten times or more. In those early days, nobody's doubted her being sent by an almighty power to punish those wicked men who murdered her passengers and crew. End quote. Dr. Aaron C. Wiley wrote his account of seeing the Palatine several times in 1811 after first seeing it in February of 1810 and then yet again on December 20th of the same year. Quote, it was large and gently lambent, very bright, broad at the bottom and terminating acutely upward. I saw it again on the evening of December the 20th. It was then small, and I supposed it to be the light on board of some vessel, but I was soon undeceived. It moved along, apparently parallel to the shore, for about two miles, from the time that I was riding one at a moderate pace. End quote. He would then go on to describe the people of Block Island seeing the ship themselves. Quote, the people who have always lived here are so familiar to the sight that they never think of giving notice to those who do not happen to be present, or even of mentioning it afterwards. The light looks like a blaze of fire six or seven miles from the northern part of Block Island. Sometimes it's small, like the light from a distant window. Sometimes it's as big as a ship and wavers like a torch. End quote. The haunting is now referred to as the Palatine Light, and since the wreck, people have had sightings just like the ones described before. Looking out towards the sea, people have seen a burning ship sailing around the island. Those that have been close enough have even heard the screams of a woman crying out in the distance. The boat seems to be doomed to circle the island that it was never able to properly make port at. These sightings are especially frequent between the end of December and beginning of January. The tale of the Palatine was forever captured in a poem by John Greenleaf Whittier. Old wives spinning their webs of tow, or rocking weirdly to and fro, in and out of the peat's dull glow. And old men mending their nets of twine, talk together of dream and sign, talk of the lost ship, Palatine. The ship that a hundred years before, freighted deep with its goodly store, and the gales of the equinox went ashore. The eager islanders, one by one, counted the shots of her signal gun, and heard the crash when she drove right on. Into the teeth of death she sped. May God forgive the hands that fed the false lights over the rocky head. O oh, men and brothers, what sights were there? White upturned faces, hands stretched in prayer. Where waves had pity, could ye not spare? Down swooped the wreckers like birds of prey, tearing the heart of the ship away. And the dead had never a word to say. And then, with ghastly shimmer and shine, over the rocks and the seething brine, they burned the wreck of the Palatine. In their cruel hearts, as they homeward sped, the sea and the rocks are dumb, they said. There will be no reckoning with the dead. But the year went round, and when once more, along their foam-white curves of shore, they heard the linestorm rave and roar. Behold, again with shimmer and shine, over the rocks and the seething brine, the flaming wreck of the Palatine. For still, on many a moonless night, from Kingston Head and from Montuke Light, 
The specters kindles and burns in sight, now low and dim, now clear and higher. Leaves up the terrible ghost of fire, then slowly sinking, the flames expire. And the wise sound skippers, though skies be fine, reef their sails when they see the sign of the blazing wreck of the Palatine. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley and Dave Wilkins for this episode 37 of Hometown Ghost Stories. What's up, Rob? Um, I was ready for another beat drop, and then it didn't come, and now I'm sad. <laughs> I was ready to keep it going, too. Uh, and Dave's here as well. What's up, Dave? What's going on? Not too much. I'm getting uh, feedback on someone's mic here. Who is it? It's Dave. That's Dave. always Dave. Fix your audio once again, once again. But I want to welcome everyone who's hanging out in live chat. Casher is okay, and he's back from the dead, so that's good to see. Uh, Pauzy is back from him and his wife. I believe they went to Turkey, and uh, what a voyage that must have been. Stephanie, everybody else that's hanging out. Fox Crown is here. Jessica, uh, what's going on? There was a drinking game going on in chat that I wasn't aware of, and I'm drinking water. Yeah, like a child. I, I started a drinking game. I, was, I just told everyone in chat, I'm like, drink every time. You hear me say the word island, and they obliged. And now our chat's gone because everybody's drunk, and <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. Um, I personally really enjoyed the Block Island stories. I sort of did this um, selfishly to start. I had a week off of regular work, and... Wanted to go away somewhere for the day, and I was like, how can I tie this into one of my other 30 jobs? And I was like, let me see if there's any haunted stuff on Block Island. So I went to Block Island, and um, before I went there, I reached out to – there's a ghost tour company on the island itself, which is very cool because they they recently have opened. They weren't there when I was there before. And they are called um, Block Island Ghost Tours right here. So Block Island Ghost Tours on the island, I reached out to them, and they met me, and we went around the island with me, Holly, and Rick from, from, the, from the ghost tours, and they showed me a bunch of haunted locations. So much so, in fact, that we are going to have to do a follow-up episode on Block Island. I'm down for that. I was, I was kind of sad because I couldn't um, join you. The initial plan was we were going to go up, but it was just not working with the schedule at the time. Uh, Dave is back with the microphone that works. Hello, Dave. Hello. Yep, no, uh, no feedback. Excellent. Good. No, I mean, it's still there, but it's, we'll, it's, we'll let it slide. It's, it's, singing, it's, it's singing lightly and ominously in the background. Just give yes. a little, ah, it's very oh. angelic. It's beautiful. Uh, yes. Assassin is here. What's up? And I want to say hi to Quad as well. Thank you guys for hanging out in the live chat. For those audio listeners, if you want to hang out in the live chat and play the uh, drinking games that Rob comes up with, uh, <laughs> you can swing by and join us every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We stream on Facebook, 
YouTube and Twitch. And if you folks haven't already, make sure you swing over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and leave a comment or a review. And uh, we will read that out at the end of the show, as we always do. And um, yeah, with that being said, let's jump so, into it. Let's let's talk a little bit about Block Island itself. And I mentioned this one. I just went on. We jump on t- TikTok live before we go live on YouTube and just kind of talk about what we're going to be going over. And Block Island is here in New England. It's about an hour and a half drive for us to get to the ferry there. And almost everyone we know doesn't know of Block Island or hasn't been, right? Because around us, everyone goes to Martha's Vineyard. Um, some go to Nantucket, but Martha's Vineyard is kind of like um, the big one for everyone around us. So I went to Block Island a few years ago, and I fell in love with the place, to be perfectly honest with you. It's a smaller island. It's um, a lot quieter. I mean, it's obviously busy in the summer because it's an island, but it, it's just got a more laid-back feel than the other places, and I really enjoy it there. So I was wondering if there was ghost stories, and I can't – I. Dude, I just can't believe how how many people how many ghost stories are there. I went there with the hometown ghost story shirt on, and obviously I had camera equipment and stuff. And the amount of people that were coming up to me just to tell me their ghost story was bananas. I went there's a coffee shop there. Um, it's called the Cracked Mug. If you ever go to Block Island, I highly suggest going there. Free plug for them. And I was talking to the girl that made my coffee. I believe her name was Charlotte. And she saw the shirt and she started telling me the ghost story of a plane crash. And I haven't even gotten to that one yet. Um, You know, like that's another thing we can cover later. It just, there's just so much history on this Island for it being such a small piece of land that it's, it's truly fascinating places like that to me anyways. It's very good. Yeah, there is a lot. There's a whole bunch of stuff that, uh, that we didn't touch on there. Uh, Dave, you're about to say something. Yeah, that opening ghost story you told with um, Holly. Is that, yes. is that a story that was told to you by one of the people from the island? No, it's um, – so the opening ghost story is for the South Lighthouse, which is the, the lighthouse I was showing in the beginning of the video because there are two lighthouses on Block Island. So there's the South Lighthouse, which is the ghost of um, Mad Maggie is the name of the ghost. So that story that I told where the Mad Maggie was the the wife of the of the keep of the lighthouse keeper and she was mysteriously found dead they blamed the husband they locked him up that's that's the the urban legend of that lighthouse there's no documented proof of it happening but it's a been it's been told on the island since it supposedly happened And what we have to remember is we always talk about record keeping, right? We've kind of gotten away from talking about that. But let's think about where this place is. Record keeping is usually bad in major cities of this era. Now we're talking about a lighthouse on an island where all kinds of stuff can happen to any little bit of records that actually exist, right? So, uh, and little things aren't going to get picked up in the newspaper. Obviously, the bigger stuff will like some of these um, shipwrecks that we covered were covered by like the Boston uh, Globe and stuff like that. But one singular death on the island is probably not going to get picked up by those major newspapers and the, and the surrounding cities, I would say. Most likely. Unless it's, unless it's crazy. 
So okay. this, which lighthouse was this one? Was this the south one? This is the South Side Island. Yes, uh, the South Side Lighthouse. Sorry, um, so, Southeast Light, Southeast yeah, Lighthouse. Yeah, the Southeast Lighthouse, which is right by the bluffs. So if you noticed in one of the last videos, I was showing over the bluffs, which is where that Native American battle happened, where the Niantics forced the Mohegans off of the bluffs to just fall right down. Um, and now those bluffs are supposedly haunted and people have experienced all kinds of activity there. The only thing I experienced on those bluffs is there's a staircase to go all the way down and mm-hmm. going down that staircase isn't too bad, but it's coming back up with all your equipment and gear and stuff. I thought I was going to pass out and never make it back to the mainland at that point. I was drenched in sweat when I did that walk. It was, it's, it's not the easiest thing. And I guess when I was talking to Holly and Rick from uh, Block Island Ghost Tours, they were telling me that, yeah, people have to get picked up by ambulance there all the time because they don't realize what a steep climb those stairs coming back up is. I wonder if, um, if you had a certain adrenaline rush, you could have made it up them a little easier with your equipment. I'm not following. Never mind. We'll stay alone. Adrenaline rush would have given him an initially would have helped him out, but a couple steps down the down the you know as he got up, it would actually do more harm than good. Okay, thanks, Dave. So there's supposed to be an angry ghost woman who's at that lighthouse. So your story alluded to woman killing man, but real story is man killing woman on lighthouse. Is that correct, or is there both? Yeah, so I just, obviously, what we do with that opening story is we just make up our own ghost story based around some of the the facts of the story that we know. So um, since Rick and Holly decided to bring me around the island as a nicety, I put them in the opening ghost story, wrote a story around them, and I had basically Holly kill Rick, which, hey, that's... Ah, that's, that's why you use those names, all right. <laughs> if, if you're nice to me, I maybe I'll kill you off. That's the, We've set that precedent before, haven't we? We yeah. have, yeah. That's mostly for Patreons, but I guess they get, they get a pass on that one because they uh, let you go see the island. Uh, but so um, the angry spirit of a woman who was murdered by her husband, the lighthouse keeper in the 1900s, harassed men who visit her home. Uh, reports of seeing her among the least fearful accounts. She's been known to shake men, lift their beds, and lock them in closets or out of rooms. So locking doors. That's a little bit of a different one. And just imagine just going to go see the lighthouse and you just get shook. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. it's it's blown up against the wall. Like, <laughs> do it in my lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. So she's a pretty angry ghost. Very yeah. aggressive. So, I mean, like, that's basically the story behind that lighthouse. So there wasn't much to get into. So that's why I built the opening around it so that we could actually still tell that tale. Because the two big stories, which. For, for Block Island, which like all the locals know, is that story and the Palatine Light. And before there's all the. Sorry, before we get too far away from it, I do want to touch on Cash's comment. So while he's making a joke, he says, What are the men doing in the closet? Uh, what are they doing? Like, like you're, you're going to go check out this historic lighthouse and you're like, Oh, let me go stand inside this closet. And then you just get locked in by a ghost. Like, well, that's what you get for standing inside the closet, you weirdo. Why are you doing that on a tour? <laughs> Although at the Oliver at the Oliver house that we were just at, and we'll we'll touch on that. Um, they had a creepy closet, and we were like, "Oh, we should go inside." But when we found out that there was no reason for the closet to be haunted, we didn't. 
Also because it was scary. Also because it had original wallpaper from like 1740 and we didn't want to wreck that. Right, right, right. I'm sure they didn't want us compacting ourselves into that closet, but we could have also gotten locked inside of a ghost, uh, inside of a closet by a ghost. Well, if we're, if we're talking about like closets with ghost stories, there is another house on the island that I really wanted to put in this episode that isn't one of the more well-known ones. It's going to be part of the second episode of block island when i come back and do this um there's a there's a house that is haunted there that guests would go to sleep in the third on the third floor and they would wake up in the first floor closet what (laughs) but that's actually wild there's a teaser for block island part two um so yeah it's that's a wild story but i wanted to tell the palatine light i wanted to tell the lighthouse stories because these are their bigger stories, right? So these are what it's, it's almost like stuff that it's like the um, Sally house in Atchison, right? So everyone in Atchison probably knows the Sally house and they're like, Oh, that's our story. We know that one, but you should hear these ones, but the rest of the country doesn't know it. So it needs to be told where, Everyone on Block Island knows the Palatine Light. Everyone on Block Island knows the Southeast Lighthouse. But they still need to be told to more people to just just to get the story out there. I didn't know much about Block Island until your episode, to be honest. Right. Sam, Sam I mean, I heard it referenced. It's referenced all the time in pirate books because there's a lot. It was a, a hotspot for pirates back in the 18th and 17th century. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pirate stuff. Um but the amount of houses themselves that are on this island that, as we were driving, um, they could point to point it out. I'm like, this house is haunted. Here's what's happened here. This house is haunted. Here's what's happened here. Uh, so it's like, it's a crazy island. We might be going back sometime shortly. I'm working on something. So you might see another episode for Block Island before the end of the year. Cool. I'm with him. We definitely got to join you for the uh, for the next one. Yes. I do want to talk about the poem that you read at the end. And we so, do you want to jump into the whole Palatine Light story, and then we'll get into the Larchmont? Yeah, I think so because I think the, I mean, they're both great stories. I don't think we have to go in order here. But right. yeah, tell me first of all the the poem that you read at the end, and we had discussed a little bit while we were editing the audio and the issues that we ran into while editing the audio. Yeah, sorry to people. It was a little clip there. It was brought up in chat, but that's okay. Um, that would what you read, and it was really long. But what you read was actually uh, a I can version of that. I poem. condensed it. I, I shortened. Condensed it to eleven minutes. That was thoughtful of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I condensed it to what I thought was pertinent to telling the Palatine Light story. That whole, if you were to sit here and tell that whole poem. We would be it would be going till tomorrow, basically. But I wanted there was nothing in that poem that I felt I could leave out from what I have. What's in there? You know what I mean? The the parts that I put in, like I was looking through it, trying to figure out how to cut it down more. And I'm like, I can't because it's all it just all flows together. And this tells the story of the Palatine light. And the reason I told it is because there are those two different um conflicting versions of events that happened on the island. One where the people of the island are heroes and one where they are basically the villains 
and cause the ship to wreck itself. And just based on some of the stuff that happened before this shipwreck, and you can, they were doing this on the island already. And then if the one that really caught my attention was the quote that I gave of that guy that was a Puritan on the island, that he said he saw the Palatine light a few times. And his explanation, and this is in like the early 1800s, he's like, this ship is coming back because of what those people did to them. And the way I take that is the island, this is before the poem, right? This quote is before the poem. So he's saying that the island people did this. So that is the story that was told. And they were known. They were known for doing that. This wasn't the only time. This was, I think, the biggest example, but they would lure merchant ships in just to plunder them. It was like a thing that they would do back in the 18th century, and they did yeah. a lot. And little did they know about the Palatine was that they had run out of food before they went and stormed the ship, if they did. Um, so they went and stormed it, and there was there was no food or anything on it. Right. And the the other side of the coin, the other story where they're the heroes is – one document that was found in 1923 and i'm just like so you have all this lore po- like like almost 200 years later passed down and like yeah exactly 200 years later this this one document is showing like oh we tried to help them and even if like they did write that it's like of course that's what they're going out there like yeah man we just we took this donkey and we had these torches going around and we made them crash and we stole all their shit. It was awesome. You should have been there. Like, they're not going to write that, right? So, um, yeah, I just... It's probably propaganda. It feels like propaganda, right? So it just feels like they're... I do, I do wonder if they were able to plunder for food and stuff, because obviously they used the false lights to distract them and get the ship to crash, but then it caught fire. So I wonder if they even knew whether or not there was food on board or whatever i don't know well they they're gonna try to get whoever they can right um mm-hmm. that that's just the the nature of it so like we said it wasn't the first it wasn't the first of the ships that they crashed it's just this one already had a bunch of tragic shit happen to it there was already you know the the food spoiling the water going bad everybody dying half the people dying on the ship the captain dying the you know, the guy that takes over is charging them for the rotten food. Basically people can't afford it. They're dying. They're and then, and then once you, once you finally get to the Island there, you get bamboozled by a donkey light. You're, yeah. You get bamboozled <laughs> by a donkey light. Like what is happening? And that's probably why that Mary Vanderline Vanderline just snapped. Right. She's just like, I'm done. I'm just, I'm not leaving the ship now. This is the worst experience of all time. I'm not getting off the ship. And then they set the wrecked remains on fire, which isn't uncommon. You know, they're scuttling the ship. They're getting the remains out of there so that they can trap more or so that when they have their ships come in, they don't hit stuff. So, um, yeah, that's it's just a crazy story. And, and it's funny how, like, the name of the ship gets changed, too, right? It's the Princess Augusta. But it's known as the Palatine just because of where the ship originated from. So just in case there's any confusion, I try to clarify it in the episode, but the, the actual ship name is the princess Augusta. It is just referred to as the Palatine. Yeah. I think it was the princess Augustine. It came from the Palatine in Germany. 
Right. Yeah, I was going to say it was from Germany. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. You're right. right. So, yeah. And this, <laughs> Matt, this island at that time was completely inhabited by pirates, almost exclusively. They would basically, so the pirates would, um, they'd sail back and forth up and down the coast from the Caribbean to New England. And they'd do that because basically when they, they'd always need to be like replacing masts and replacing shipboards and whatnot. And they just wrecked through all of the trees in the Caribbean almost instantly. So they'd have to come up to New England or like South Carolina, you know, all the way up and down the coast, but they'd go up as far as New England and Block Island was a, a spot where they would constantly stop. Sam Bellamy uh, on his widow ship used to uh, frequent the island a lot. So they'd always stop in Block Island and basically just everyone there was pirates. So that's why they would, that's why I definitely believe that they were not the good guys in that situation when they lured that ship in. And I believe that 100%, that was just a trick that they would use back then. Um, you had Sam Bellamy, you had Benjamin Hornigold, you had Blackbeard, you had William Kidd, all oh, the yeah. Hitters, yeah. yeah. They were, they were always there. Captain Jack Sparrow. All the Jack good ones. Sparrow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew, t- Andrew went into depth on this because he is the pirate expert here. I, I don't. Did you just go through this comment? But so he said, uh, during low visibility, a person would stand on the shore with a lantern and sway it back and forth to mimic the appearance of another ship's stern light. And then he said, uh, the ship would be unable to change course in time and then crash into the shore. That's kind of what happened. They used a little bit of a different method with this one. Rob, let's go to this, but they use like a donkey, right? Yeah, so the way I was told um, from some of the locals, what they would do is they would put the donkey with like lanterns and they would make it appear that the lighthouse was further away because of the because of the height thing or whatever. So they have this donkey circling to make it look like there's this lighthouse and ships would approach and they'd run aground because they thought it was actually further back than it was. So they wouldn't set up their proper whatever, you know, situation to dock the boat and they would just absolutely destroy it. You missed out on a good filming opportunity here to not strap flashlights to your dog Gotham and have the dog walk around the island with flashlights on him to, uh, to recreate that scene. But I made the mistake of bringing him to that island one time and never again. Oh, really? Oh, uh, dude, he got came with me. Right? Spagucci was in chat was just talking about bringing his dog Darla out there. Would you not recommend bringing a dog out there? No, I'm sure it's fine. It's just he got very anxious and seasick. He had never been on a boat and Uh, um, he got, oh, wicked sick. And I actually, he was supposed to be there with me for seven days. It didn't help help that you were charging him for rotten food. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That, that one hour ferry ride was a torturous um, rotten food filled trip. But yeah, no, it was bad. Yeah. Um, so that just means yes. we got to get you a donkey. Yeah. A donkey that can handle a ferry ride. See, I should have brought the rabbits, and then the rabbits would have, because they're stronger anyway. So that makes sense. Um, so the other thing I find very interesting with the Palatine is the two quotes that I gave that weren't the poem, where there are people that are actually sitting there writing down their accounts of seeing this ship in the ocean. And one of them being very religious. And the other one was, was he a doctor? I forget off the top of my head now, but he was a prominent member of society. And he wrote, they both wrote about seeing the Palatine, like in detail of how they saw it, when they saw it, what it was doing, when they saw it. And specifically in one case, when, which the Palatine light is generally seen 
a specific time of year. It has been seen the whole year. Yeah, it's usually on its anniversary, though. Right. And it's it's right in that last week of December, early January, which is, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to see quotes that old because we've talked about it before. People didn't talk about these experiences, right? They didn't bring up when they saw ghostly figures or anything. And people were actually taking the time to write about their experiences with the Palatine. Andrew says, imagine a donkey being responsible for hundreds of murders. It's pretty much what it was. A little bit, a little bit of donkey, a little bit of uh, angry people on an island, <laughs> angry islanders. Yeah, you use what you have, right? Back in the day, you didn't have much. You had some torches, you had some donkeys, and you could uh, make them go around in a circle and simulate a lighthouse. Basically, basically, torches and a donkey. The first VR, the first VR experiences. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, I just I find the story of the Palatine very interesting. And normally I wouldn't do two shipwrecks and two lighthouses, but I've been dying to do a lighthouse story and I was blessed with two for Block Island, so and the Larchmont story itself, getting, you know, switching gears here. That Larchmont story is brutal. Not that not that the Palatine's not brutal, but Larchmont is also like very, very brutal. Um, just because of the way that most of them would end up dying is just terrible. Like there's, there's no good death on any of this, but like it just seemed like anything that you'd be like, I really don't want to die that way, happened on the Larchmont. There right? are definitely ways to die that are worse than others. Yeah, and it almost every single one happened here. So, you know, that you have that steam like being burned to death by the steam pipes. Oh, thanks. Like waking up to that. Like that's how you're waking up. It's unimaginable. And then for them to say that those were the lucky ones, like imagine probably a fast death, but awful. Yeah. But uh, imagine that's you being lucky. Like you hit the jackpot. You died from steam. Good job. Um, Also crazy about this. This ship is like, this ship was a disaster. This wasn't even the first tragedy that it had. Yeah. It had already uh, collided with multiple ships. It sank in shallow water in Boston Harbor. Um, it had suffered two major fires. Do you know what the nickname of it is? Um, the Titanic of Rhode Island. Yes, I did know that, actually. Now I'm, I'm emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it almost got into another accident that night. It it narrowly avoided another ship earlier in that day. And they didn't need to go. Like the conditions were so bad. And the the captain was like, no, we can do it. And I guess like you're probably getting pressured, especially back then. I mean, we everyone gets pressured now from their bosses. But you're probably getting pressured by the people that want to go, right? They want to take their trip to see their family or get home or whatever. They're getting pressured by the company and you're the one guy that has to make the decision whether you take this potentially unsafe trip or risk everyone just being insanely pissed off at you and possibly losing your job because of it. You know? So it's a tough spot, but at the end of the day, you got to kind of like make that decision that the conditions aren't good enough to go, I would say, at some point. 
what's that line? Yeah, right. And so for them to go on this voyage, almost hit a ship, then they see the Harry Knowlton ship coming at them, which sounds like the worst sex position of all time, just to say. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> so oh God, she wants to do the Harry Knowlton again. <laughs> <laughs> um but you have this ship, the, the Harry Knowlton, coming at you. Gross. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you go to change course, and it changes course the same way you're, you're turning. And it's just like there's just no way to avoid this at this point. You're shooting signal shots, trying to let them know. They know, but they can't do anything. Yeah. And they just... To be, to be fair, there was, like, insane waves. Right. So for them to actually accidentally change course and hit is not that not it's not like the I mean you think of the history of the Larchmont and how many accidents and fires that they've had and you think well maybe they are just the worst maybe this is the worst captain of all time right <laughs> you know but the other ship who knows you know, so I think that, he was a very young captain too it was Captain George W McVeigh yeah I think he was pretty young so now they they collide. The Harry Knowlton crew deals with enough and actually lives. You know, like they end up wrecked offshore somewhere. They're all huddled, like catching hypothermia, like frostbite. They're dealing with it. And as they were as they were crashing, they're just watching the Larchmont just slowly keep going, even though they have no more steam power. They're just slowly floating away from them into the darkness. And the people on that ship are just trying to get on lifeboats and everything like that. They finally get on. And when they get on these lifeboats, the first one that arrives is this 16-year-old kid. Um, the 16-year-old kid who the only reason he survived as long as he did is he was hiding behind the stacked bodies on his boat to block himself from the wind. And he gets there, and as he's getting off the ship, he just says, he's trying to let them know there's more. There's more people, and he's mm-hmm. trying to get them safe. And he's like, there's more coming. There's more coming. And then just drops dead on the beach. Like, And to, to be the people that met him. Yeah. Well, I guess it was like a huge rescue effort from the people of Block Island. They were sending over lifeboats and uh, rafts and everything and their own vessels to go try to save people off the uh, off the ship as well. What year was this? Um, um, no, it wasn't 1902. What was it? I don't know. I forget the year off the top of my head. I 1907. February 11th, 1907. Yeah, that's what it was. And then that um, that document saying that the people of Block Island were heroes for rescuing the people of this ship came out around the same time. What? I was laughing at this comment. (laughs) Jessica said the Harry Knowlton, that's probably how my son got here. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I got to touch on Matthew Thomas's comment, which says, next on Hometown Ghost Stories, worst sex positions of all time. (laughs) Sorry, Dave. Finish your point. I don't. Oh, yeah. So um, that thing that came out that we thought was crediting the um the the people of uh Block Island during the this the Princess Augusta wreck that might have been talking about this one, right? With the you know, 
that happened in the 1900s. Maybe they got them confused. Because if the if this report they said they you said they found it in the like 1920s or something like that, right? Oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying now. Um, I think it supposedly clearly said the the Palatine or the the Augusta, but mm. if it didn't, then that's a great theory. Like yeah. that, that's an excellent theory. If um, if people were getting that confused, I could see that if it didn't fully. I didn't read. The transcript of what that was right I, I honestly didn't think to look for it i probably should have but yeah i could see that definitely being something that got mixed up if it didn't have the actual name on it yeah um because that would make more sense yeah it would definitely make way more sense uh stephanie in the chat said the one talking about weird sex position sex positions is the one not married yeah so what whatever that's all right. As Andrew and Matt touch too, uh, you can bring in the bacon. There's a lot of inside <laughs> jokes going here flowing. <laughs> now we're now we're all the way back to Velisca. But what's great is the chat's in on it, right? The chat's the one bringing it up, <laughs> not just us. This is where it all uh, could have stemmed from. Jessica says, was the ship transporting bacon? See, now we're, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere with this. Right. So, yeah, these are like the main stories I wanted to hit on. But like I said, there's other stuff to talk about. I mean, does the chat want to talk about a serial killer real quick? I think we always want to. I think it's safe to assume the chat does want to talk about a serial killer. I mean, we can do that. Um, we probably should have looked a little more into the serial killer. Like, I know exactly what he did. I know he's tied to Block Island. I believe his mother lived on the island for a while. Supposedly, so it's Haddon Clark is the serial killer. And we can't get into his full story, it would just take way too long. There is a confirmed death of two people that he killed. One was an eight-year-old girl. The other was six. She was six, sorry. Six. And the other was a was a woman. Yeah, the 23-year-old woman. And he killed the 23-year-old woman because he thought she was taking her, his spot because her mother was helping him out. And when she came back to the house, he was jealous. So he broke into her house one night. He was going to bring her back to where he lived, which was in a tent in the woods. And so he started wrapping duct tape around her face um, to, to block her mouth so she wasn't scream. And he was having too much uh, enjoyment from it. And he just kept wrapping the duct tape and she would end up suffocating and dying because of it. So he's also known as the cross-dressing cannibal because he says that when he killed the eight-year-old girl, six-year-old girl, sorry, um, he drank her blood afterwards. So this actually ran in the family, I, too. I, I don't I, know if you know but... Yeah, the, uh, so his, he was, his mother used to get drunk and dress him up as right. a girl, and she, she had a girl name that she'd call him to. I think it was Kristen. Right. And um, she I wasn't, wasn't saying, I wasn't saying the cross-dressing runs in the family. I was saying the um, murdering and eating people. Yes, murdering. So, yes, before he um, did his crimes, although supposedly he was saying that he committed his first murder at 14, which is unconfirmed. His brother had a woman over his house and they were she was a married woman. They were hooking up in the bedroom and he started like biting her neck and she asked him to stop because she didn't want marks on her. And he wouldn't, so she slapped him in the face, 
to which he punched her and ended up murdering her and slicing off her boob, cooking it on the grill and eating it. When captured by the cops, he said to them, they're like, did you do this? Did you commit this murder? And basically his response was like, yeah, it was just a really weird night. Yeah. You know how we get. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly the Clark family is pretty weird. What I find interesting about Haddon Clark is he says that he is the one who murdered the woman of the dunes. And if you're not familiar with this story in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, there is a case called the lady of the dunes, which is a unsolved murder where the woman was found on the beach in the dunes. Hands were cut off. Teeth were pulled. Um, just completely mangled. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, Matt said uh, they should have had a safe word. No, I think he was laughing at it. Andrew said, send dunes. Which is a two-letter uh, two yes. plot for send dunes. That's yeah. uh, good. It's good. Um, but this lady of the dunes, why she's so famous is they're pretty sure she's an extra in the movie Jaws which was filming when she was found. So she's wearing what she was wearing in the movie. So he claims that he killed her. Now, other people have claimed that they killed her as well, but he was able to give the police a detail that they hadn't released to the public, which was that he had posed her body in like a push-up position um, with her, with her, like the rest of her arms uh, buried in the sand. That's pretty wild. So he actually confessed to multiple. I think he confessed to like a dozen. And they yeah. just, he's a diagnosed uh, paranoid schizophrenic. He was kicked out of the Navy or discharged from the Navy because of, because of that diagnosis. Yeah. And uh, he's always just his, his so he's, they were, they're able to uh, convict him of the Michelle door, the six year old, because his, uh, his cellmate in prison, um, hadn't believed that he is Jesus Christ. So he confesses things to him. Yeah. So like he confessed like locations of bodies, which t- ended up being nothing. The one that ended up being, I think Michelle door ended up um, panning out. So they're like, now when he confesses to things, they got to like take him out and look and they bring his Jesus buddy with them. And they just go to these places and they always like most of the time it's nothing. But like one time he brought them to like buried treasure. Like there was like a whole bunch of jewelry. Some of it was um, it was his his murder treasures, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they think that one of the necklaces from that is from the Lady of the Dunes. I don't know how if they can confirm I that. Saw the necklace was uh, Lara Hodling. One of them. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. another one you're saying? Yeah. There. So they found a bunch of different things buried. And he like just look into his whole life story. He was a psychopath. He, but supposedly he burned and uh, murdered two people on Block Island. But they went over there and they were not able to find the remains. But where he lived on the island, there are rumblings that the pit that they dug because he had like a pit where he killed animals and stuff because he's you know just a terrible person that there might've been some human remains in there too. And they just never found them or whatever. So, you know, there's haunting stories going around that pit as well. Yeah. Speaking of hauntings, cause we haven't really talked much about that. Uh, what are like the more famous uh, ghost stories tied to the ones that, that we had in this episode, just to recap Rob. 
So you have the Palatine Light, which is the ship that is sailing around the island that is never able to actually port at all. Are you not? Do you not believe that's the case, Dave? What's going on over there? What? You made a face. You made like a, a squinch face. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was, I was uh, reading something. Oh. Um, so the Palatine just circles the island, never able to actually um, stop in port. And they yeah, think they that. The light, yeah. And the light <laughs> is on there. Sometimes it just looks like a lantern. Sometimes it looks like a full on blaze of fire. So that is. And that one has been seen by so many people over the course of hundreds of years now, which is why it's so interesting. The other yeah, one especially is when, especially when you had like prominent people writing. That was one of like doctors and prominent people were writing about it, right? Right. Yeah, and, and you say and you do say it's rare. So it's rare that that people that are noteworthy, especially people that don't, don't want to be discredited as like a lunatic or anything like that, will write about it. But it was also the case. I think it was that Nathaniel Hawthorne had written. Um, accounts of of his ghost stories on the other islands that you covered there. I think it was the Isles of Shoals. The Isles of Shoals, yeah. He, well, he told the stories of others. I don't remember if he actually had his own encounter. Maybe one, but he was talking with the woman of the island that, and she was telling the tales of the island. Oh, okay, okay. So, but he wrote about it. Like, he, but either way, he doesn't, write about it. he doesn't find it right. somewhat credible, right? Right. So. The other one is the North Lighthouse, which is where we were getting to with the Larchmont. So that's where all the bodies were washing up, was at the North Lighthouse. Um, and now they're like, they're washing up on shore, like on the boats and everything. And they're like, what do we do with these bodies? And they were bringing them to the North Lighthouse and, you know, putting them in the lighthouse until they could. You know, it's well, not until, until the ground thawed out. So the, the 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 reason that they couldn't bury them right away it was in December and the the ground was frozen. So or until they could get them back across the the you know to the mainland. If they, yeah, I guess you don't just you don't just claim all these bodies and decide to bury right. them right too. But until they could figure out what to do with them, but also they couldn't just bury them, right? Because uh, it was frozen ground. Yeah, so they're just like hanging out there. So now the lighthouse, um, you know, I. I the voice of a young boy saying more coming, more coming has been heard multiple times on the beach there, which is scary enough. And the other one that's scary is I guess there's like a staircase right there. I didn't actually walk out to the North lighthouse. It would have consumed the entire day. You can't Mm -hmm. drive out to it. You actually have to walk and it's about an hour walk to get to it somewhere right around there. So we're talking, I would have been, it would have been three hours of the day. Um, just to do that, and I wouldn't have been able to see everything else. But there's a staircase there, and people have walked their dogs there. And as they walk their dog up the staircase, they say a force just picks up the dog and throws it off the staircase. And Don't bring dog. dog. Yeah, don't bring it to the North Lighthouse. Apparently, it really doesn't like it. Um, And there's the woman, you know, the woman standing on the lighthouse looking out towards the ocean, which was probably the spirit of one of the passengers just, you know, or it could even be somebody that was waiting for somebody for one of the passengers, or it doesn't have to be related to the large mod. Could be a ghost of a character. It could be well. something completely different. Yeah. So we, we're not exactly sure why she's on the lighthouse looking out towards the ocean, you know, so there's, there's all of those stories. Yeah, it's a it's a real creepy island. 
We have way more stories. Like I said, there's the one where people are waking up in different parts of the of the house that we need to tell at some point. I just I kind of want to back pocket that. And yeah, so you could take a dog up, but Matt brings up. Could you? Do you think you could safely bring a donkey up the stairs? Um, well, that would be trying to bring a lighthouse into a lighthouse at that point. <laughs> so, you know, you're you're just wrecking time space continuum stuff. So you probably can't do that. Shouldn't mess right. around with stuff like that. Yeah, you're, you're putting a real glitch in the matrix there. No, so. no more, no more edibles for Rob tonight. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Any other ghost stories you want to touch on? I know I, I want to save because I had a whole bunch. I was like, I'm gonna hit on this place, this place, this place, and then now we get uh, we're gonna come back, to, come back to toys in the plans. So yeah, and I think we all take a trip out there for sure. It's yeah. close enough. That's for sure. Um, was there Andrew any pirates? Andrew says uh, donkeys take the escalator. <laughs> oh no! Nice one. Nice one. Um, was there was there pirate stuff you wanted to hit on, Dave, or did you already hit on all that you wanted to? I just dropped a few pirate facts here and there. If we're coming back yeah. here, there's a um, little stuff you hit on later. Yeah. So I want to give a a big thank you again to everyone that's on the island. The other funny thing is, although in the summer it's like there's tens of thousands of people there, it's actually a really small community. It's probably about a thousand people or so on the island. So word was getting around that I was there and like we were getting texts and phone calls from other people. And there is a podcast called um, Two Guys on Block Island. We're going to be doing something with them in the next few months when we go back to Block Island. So I want to thank them for reaching out. I want to thank Block Island Ghost Tours one more time. If you are looking for something to do, I highly suggest going to Block Island. The thing about Block Island is there's not a lot of like activity activities. It's more of like a pleasurable getaway where you just you're going out there for relaxation and stuff. There's not like mini golf or stuff like that. But now you can go on this ghost tours with um you know with with Holly and Rick and that I just want to touch on a couple things if that's okay of what they offer. They offer um walking tours, they also offer ghost ride vans and they do a bar crawl for spirits with spirits, which is a lot of fun. Nice. They also have a magic show that they present once or twice, a few times a week. They do a, a tour with a psychic medium, Roxanne Jespero. She um, does readings and group group readings on the beach. And the thing that I think that they're doing that's really cool that I want us to do, I just don't know if we're going to be able to fit it in in October because we have a really booked October ourselves. But in October, they're doing two full weekend experiences where they're going to be including a lot of this stuff. It's going to be ghost hunting. They're going to get you to stay in a haunted house. There's a gallery reading the magic show. There's two ghost tours. There's a dinner involved. Uh, they're still locking down all the details, but they are, they're offering that this, this um, coming October. And it sounds awesome. That sounds like a great time. Just, yeah, uh, me and Matt are on the same page. You said you had me at bar crawl. That sounds great. That sounds like a great way for us to get nothing accomplished as well, but well, it would be fun that, nonetheless. <laughs> that is what we're doing with them when we go back to Block Island. We're doing, oh, the, hell yeah. we're doing the bar crawl with them. Absolutely in for that. That's going to be a great time. Uh, I do want to touch on this comment from Stephanie. She said, has anyone been to a city, town, or island that just feels heavy with a spooky presence? Salem. We could, we could certainly make you a short list. Yeah, Salem obviously makes that list. And I would say... Uh, in particular, the French Quarter in New Orleans is definitely on that list for me. But I mean, and then the list goes on and on and on. So, um, 
Yeah, Salem is for sure one of them. The other one, Sleepy Hollow, I only was in it for literally probably five minutes. But you really get like a little, I, maybe it's just the stories of it. But if we want to talk about like a very specific place, if we want to tease the episode for next week, I did not like one of the bedrooms that we went in the house that we went to at all. Yep. Yeah. So like, next week we're, we're going to do the, um, uh, the Peter Oliver house in Middleborough, Massachusetts. We were there on Friday night for a live investigation, which was awesome. Um, so we were actually able to go into the house, film inside the house, do an investigation, grab some evidence. So that'll be a special episode. I have my work cut out for me for this week because that is a lot of stuff to go over in, in one week's time. But it's either that or completely come up with a brand new idea for a new episode. So I'm just going to take the leap and try to uh, try to bang it out. You'll get it done. You'll yeah. get it done. So well, that's, uh, that's next week. And then uh, for our side content, we're reviewing Sinister 1 and Sinister 2. That's right. I keep wanting to say Insidious because I keep getting these names mixed up, but we, yeah. So since the next one, since the two, yeah, it'll be Friday that'll drop and it'll drop for everybody on Patreon tomorrow. Correct. So if you are a patron, you'll get it tomorrow. Otherwise Friday, it drops for everyone. Yeah. Um, We also have like a couple of new reviews that we need to read right now. Mm -hmm. And the first one is from Momut. And it's called Thrills and Chills. If you like a mix of history with your ghost stories, this is the channel. Amazing attention to detail that we will have that will have you waiting to find out more. Their voices add an extra bit of chill to the stories they tell. Their intro music pulls you further into the tale, which is uh, always true. I think Jesse does a phenomenal job with the music, and it really just helps tie everything together. Personally, thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, Any other reviews? Yeah, we have two more. Nice. Uh, this one's from Valeria, which is interesting. Uh, scary good, it says. Found this show recently. Savannah was the episode I listened to, and I was hooked. Love the banter between the guys and the way they deliver the content. Can't wait for the next episode. All right. And I got the last one if you like. It's from Armart8484. Sure. It says, hey, boys. L-O-V-E, the podcast. Says I-L-O-V-E, Jesse. Oh, I got Jesus. that exclamation point. So it's, I love the podcast. I discovered it about six weeks ago and have just caught all the way up. I love the conversational format. It's so much better than the other paranormal slash supernatural pods. Keep up the great work. Well, that's flattering. And thank you very much, Armart8484. That's a good one. If you guys want your reviews read, uh, just drop us a five star review and uh, leave a little comment, and we can do that. A bunch of people left locations and answered that question. So, a couple on Savannah, Georgia. Jessica drops um, Mentryville in Santa Clara, California, and um, a couple more for Savannah. Yeah. Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. Edinburgh was a good one. I also want to thank the person that left us a one star review and then removed it. And the only thing that I can think of that happened is they must have listened to the Alcatraz episode. And they're like, oh shit, Dave's a trained MMA fighter and he's going to come <laughs> after me. So I better get rid of this one star review before he finds me. All right. So there's, or, that's- or, or maybe I, maybe I did find him. And you were just going to give him a Harry Knowlton. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was a misclick. Maybe they actually hit one and thought that he had to like, Click all five of the stars. <laughs> Fair. Oh, Mariah's in the chat. She says she's Momo. So thank you for that review. That's we all right. Nice. We really all appreciate right. it. For sure. So, yeah, um, that's about it for now. Dave, yeah. do you know what you're covering? Did we say what you're covering after Jesse? 
No, I got a couple that I I got possible. Maybe Albuquerque, maybe Key West, maybe uh, Nassau, Bahamas. I don't know yet. And we might actually have an exciting announcement next Tuesday as well. So stay tuned for that. Yes, stay tuned because there are big things happening indeed. Anyways, for those of you that uh, that tuned into the live chat, I thank you guys once again. If you missed out, you can join the live chat every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to give a big shout out to our patrons. Our brand new one is Mike B. Thank you, Mike. We have Brandon W., Sarah W., Soph, Hooper, Jake V., Stephanie A., Seth, Dave Sucks W., Captain McSlugs, and Sarah R. Thank you guys so much. If you're interested in being a patron, then you can uh, hit us up. Uh, patreon.com slash hometown ghost stories and join you get some cool perks uh stephanie says oh rob sydney uh, i'll let you read that oh so oh, hello and rob sydney had her head covered during your story just because she says your stories scare her the most so stephanie is one of our listeners that listens with her daughter which is a fun family activity to listen to ghost stories matthew says apparently i need to get apple so i can leave a review uh, you can also drop a review if you're uh, limited to Spotify or, or whatever you listen. You can leave a review on any platform, but we... Uh, the only one you can really, like, write a comment is Apple. I'm pretty like sure. Spotify, can you, Spotify, you, Spotify? you can leave a five-star on Spotify, but you can't. You can't tell us how awesome uh, we are. Okay. Sad. Very yep. sad. Uh, Death Gaming, I appreciate you uh, swinging by. So, quick story about Death Gaming. Um, I had the pleasure of playing a round of Phasmophobia, which we occasionally do on this stream with him uh, last week with uh, actually Assassin. And I thought I knew a lot about Phasmophobia. I'm like, all right, I'm going to come in. I'll teach these guys a thing or two. This guy knows absolutely everything there is about Phasmophobia and ghosts in general and the history of all like this. This guy blew my mind. So uh, if you want some good content, if you guys are Phasmophobia players, I would definitely recommend you check him out. Death Gaming uh, 94 on, on Twitch. Nice. Anyways. I was very impressed. Very, very impressed. Um, and then Matt TS, if we're going to get any more T-shirts, I think since we, we we have a couple larges left, so if that fits you, then let us know. Uh, hit us up and we, we can work that out. If not, then uh, we will probably order another batch because they did go pretty quick. Go well, quick. the T-shirts are kind of part of our big announcement that we have to hold off on for a week or two. But oh, yes, we shall see. Yes. We shall see. But anyways, if anybody wants a large cash, I'll see you in the thing. So let us let us know and we can uh, we can work that out for you. But that'll that'll do it. Uh, swing on I'll by and check. Bring you a t shirt next week, cash. Oh yeah, indeed. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will be back uh, next week for Middleborough, Massachusetts, the Oliver House, which should be a fun one. So we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Peace.